Mr. Grow It from the Stack Podcast. A huge shout out to AC Infinity. They recently released their humidifier. This is an easy top fill system that allows you to adjust the moisture levels from the outside of your tent. It connects to the controller 69, which makes things so much easier to use. You can follow it on your app. You can see it from outside the tent without ever having to step inside. If you head over to acinfinity.com, use promo code THESTASH15, you can save a few dollars off not only the humidifier, but all of their products. And while you're at it, thank them for being a sponsor of today's video. We've got a Q&A here. Uh, we, we do these lives every single week. <laughs> Inserting English is tough for me. Uh, Thursdays at uh, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern, and 11 Pacific. So if you're new here, as I see there's a few first-time chatters, we do this every week. So don't forget, come and join us. And we don't answer a whole lot of the questions if they don't pertain to the particular episode that we're recording at that time because it can be tough to go jump back and forth when you're recording an episode for YouTube. So today is going to be specific to any and all questions, whether it's growing, whether it's nudes, culture, science, health, you name it. We're going to nail it out. Life, uh, we'll, we'll answer it here. Um, Absolutely. But First question I see right away in the chat, Soul Reaper. What's good, dudes? What's good, oh, dudes? Depends on it's what just... you're referencing. What is good? Well, we started the last epi with uh, Chris's skincare regimen, um, so I think it's only <laughs> I think it's only fair that we start off this one yep. with. Um, do you guys wear soles in your shoes or no? Yes. Are you soulless? Are you telling me you walk whoa, like a ginger? Whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not soulless. I'm the one asking questions here. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a little confused for a minute right away. It said, it's not a question. You have to have soles in your shoes. Well, do you take the ones that are in your shoes out when you buy them and put in like uh, maybe an orthopedic or like a, a custom sole? Yeah, sometimes. Well, I, I mean, I'll let the regular soles wear out a little bit and then I'll replace them. You know, like for example, MJ BizCon, remember we were there. I think I gave you guys the, the tip. Hey, buy new yeah. soles because you're going to be on your feet all day long and it's painful if you're not. So. That's when I replaced mine last. I didn't. Uh, I wore my Hey Dudes, and I regretted it afterwards. <laughs> Trey, the year before, actually went and spent a bag on some uh, Skechers. Yep. Yeah. He, he, I laughed for the whole time. Like, yeah. 45 it was funny. You razzed him yeah. for the first day. Yeah. He, Rob razzed Trey for the first day about his new, uh, his new Skechers or whatever the fuck they were. And then uh, after the first day of MJ BizCon, yeah, Rob got pretty quiet about Trey's shoes. <laughs> I did. uh didn't razz him anymore uh but yeah yeah i i too like to put a, a new soul in there but uh let's real questions here i see mathers has a good question that i saw from before and i wanted to answer again first time chatter mathers welcome from, uh thanks for being here and welcome uh hey guys i'm working at a uh a factory and as an i as an ipm factory is called green tone and i'm listening to your videos every week usually on youtube but since i have time thank you for all the information and share i learn more and more every time well shout out to you mathers we appreciate it Thanks for the love. Good luck while you're working, man. We we love that you can put this stuff on and work at the same time. So appreciate the love. Um, if yeah. you see another one, impact is. Oh, I see uh, Bavita Care, Bavitas. Uh, does the additional terpenes added to those change the flower profile? It seems to like I've got a buddy who swears by them now. He's using them. It seems to have a light lingering thing in the container itself, but once you remove. Uh, your flower from the container i didn't notice it in the, the flavor at all so it's not like it translated in that sense they claim i think it's supposed to help in that area but i don't like that at all it seems sketchy to me you guys got any experience with those are we, are we talking about the, are we talking about the bovita and integra boost packs 
that the have the terpenes salt. in them. <laughs> yeah, I remember the great salesman dude who was like for <laughs> <laughs> Integra, yeah. We went to, yeah. we went to this time, went to Integra booth, and then this guy was just shitting all over Bovita, like just Hard. destroying Bovita. <laughs> That's all primarily, he was talking about was how bad Bovita was. Because of <laughs> I wasn't even talking about how good his product was, just how bad Bovita is. <laughs> Tell us a thing about the, his product and other than how nothing. much better. Other than there's no salt inside the, or I think is what it was, no salt is the difference. Whereas Integra. like the Integra boost, you could eat it, he said. Right. Uh, he's like, it tastes good. He's like, I even munched it. It's like marshmallows. I was like, eh. Yeah. I was like, eh. Um, I, I have almost no experience. Boy. No experience with Bavita packs. Um, I don't use them myself. They come in like packs of things every now and again, but uh, no, I don't really use them. I just keep myself vigilant. I've used them for many, many years, and uh, they help increase the humidity in my jars when needed, you know, or, or regulate them, right? So if it's, the humidity is a little high, it'll bring it down. But as far as like removing flavor and stuff like that, it's like, how can you really like, I've never done testing or anything. So it's really hard to say for sure. And I thought it was real interesting that now these companies are adding in terpenes to it. So I don't, I don't know how those work either, but it's interesting, right? Does it actually add to the flower or is it just something that smells nice within the jar? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think honestly, from my experience, what I checked seems like it's just a jar, but I guess it depends how long it's stored, you know? But that uh, seems spe- to be a trend too. A lot of people are spraying uh, their jars or their containers with terpenes, so that way when you see it, you know whether it's in the streets or in a commercial setting, your first initial impression is like, "Ooh!" But then when you get it out of the container, it's a little mild. <laughs> and it's because they they played you wolf tickets. <laughs> um, but speaking of controlling and moderating temperature and humidity, uh, Todd MF One asks, "Mr. Groet, did you get a chance to use your Canatrol yet?" We were actually just talking about this before the show started. Yeah, I got it right behind me. So it uh, works pretty oh. good. Holds the temperature and humidity pretty uh, pretty steady there. Um, I like it. I've been using it for about a month now. I'm actually talking with them. I'm trying to get a discount code for my audience, but they haven't. Uh, they haven't. Uh, apparently, somebody's on vacation over there, so they're, they're, they're not working on that yet. But hey, if I can, I'll let you guys know as soon as possible. But I'm liking it so far. Yeah, uh, we had a nice scientific question before the show. Can it hold beer? Also, <laughs> you wouldn't want to. It's too small for yes. that, you know. Like mine's full right now, so it's like adding beer in there would. Like, why? It controls the temperature and dew point. And it's like, why do we need our beer? Our beer to, you know, see what dew point our beer is being stored, yeah. especially in a metal container or you know, an aluminum container. It's yeah. like our so, glass. It's not. Like a wine fridge or beer fridge would be would be better for beer. I'll answer that. Sure. Because I want cold, moist beer. Right? <laughs> In my beer fridge. is great for your hand when you pick it up. Yeah, it slips right off. Lubricate yeah, it. it out of the bottle have it in open containers in there. <laughs> I was The reason I had asked that is because I've got a beer fridge right beside me all the time, always. And if I was going to get one, that's where it would probably go. So it's like, if it could hold weed and beer, I got all my needs met. You know, and pepperoni sticks. If you could keep and the pepperoni there. sticks, yeah, you know me so well. <laughs> I had a, another question here in the chat. Uh, Therapy Grow Show has actually asked, I think, twice now. What are y'all's opinions or thoughts on cocoa? Trying my first time also with autopots feeding with kosher. Hey, kosher, hi. Um, I've used cocoa for some years. I switched up recently. I like it when I'm there all the time, but it's so uh, it's inert. 
So you have to do everything. Unless you've got something that's already amended, you have to do everything to it. And your pH is extremely important compared to something like a regular soil. It's it's a lot less forgiving. It's essentially on you. You are mother or father nature, depending on what you identify as. <laughs> so, how about you guys? You ever cocoa? Yeah, yeah, cocoa's good. I mean, I switch. I, I prefer soil, but I do like the control of cocoa. Right, starting with a blank slate in a sense, like the inerty medium, like Robert said, is it can be beneficial, right? Because then you know exactly you can get into precision feeding on it. Um, the water a little bit more often in my experience. I mean, it's a little bit more airier. Doesn't hold on to water as well, right? Um, but yeah, I've gotten some good results off of it. I usually go in five point eight pH of my nutrient solution and then in, and then that's it pretty much. Um, yeah. and then obviously like check off the runoff P, uh, PPM or T or EC, whatever you check. And then, um, you can balance it as needed. So yeah, it's alternate way to grow, but I usually just use soil. Yeah. I, I've just, at this point I've switched up because when we travel, every time I come back, it's just totally messed up. And so I just really don't want to deal with that again. You know, in a situation where you can give somebody all of the tips and all of the traits, everything they need, if something like a pH meter isn't calibrated properly, it could throw it all off. And when you're in a young baby phase with something like that, with cocoa, it's just, it's finicky. But if you're on top of it frequently or you do have an auto watering system, it's on point. Like, I really do think that you've got more, uh, more control to do more with it, so to speak, versus soil, you kind of have to let it do what it does and work with what you already have, especially something that's amended, you know, pretty solid. But then when you deal with like a, a super soil versus like a pro mix, those are two different things too. So it's not like, or even a, a ocean forest, you know what I'm saying? Like you have to do a little less depending on what kind of soil you have, where that becomes more advantageous for some people. Cause they're like, you know, you can go the organic cocoa route and amend that and do that work and have a similar result, but it's a little more labor intensive versus a soil that already has a lot of this kind of ready for you. Yeah, I think cocoa and auto pots or cocoa and blue mats would you'd kill it. You know, it's uh, kill it. And I mean, in, in a good way. <laughs> so it's, yeah. You know, not killing your plants, yeah, but kill it, it and then uh, you know, knock things out of the park, and it'd be a lot easier. You know, then you'd go instead of hand watering, we have to kind of go in a little bit more frequently than soil, for example. Hook it up to a reservoir, have even blue mats drip down, or your auto pots, and you're just making sure the reservoir is on point with the pH. EC, and then um, it's you know you're kind of hands off when it comes to watering, and definitely get some good results on that. P, I don't think you've dabbled into the cocoa. Nah, nope. I wasn't even gonna. I wasn't even gonna speak on it. You yeah, guys touched on it. I don't touch it. it. Yeah, I'm yeah. Muted, don't worry about it. Um, just real quick, housekeeping items. Do we want the chat on for the episode itself? I think uh, so. The questions off. are there. Yeah, for the Q and A. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening, okay. you're wondering. This is why you need to go over to YouTube and watch Which, when we upload oh. them. Or if well, you're I'm watching saying, this on just so you YouTube, can be that person here that you're that's seeing right. here. That's right. But if you want to so see these questions that we're repeating because we talk kind of in mixed English, you can see it live on twitch.tv slash from the stash. That's right. Every okay. Tuesday or every Thursday at uh, 1 p.m. somewhere. Central, 2 Eastern, and 11 Pacific. Um, I'll, a couple of the bang out real quick. Thoughts on Ethos Genetics? I think we're fans. Um, Ethos I've is never. A company. Yeah, I've never grown, but I know I know Chris has. No, um, I haven't. Oh, I've you haven't? Want, Rob has. I'm wanting oh. to grow. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to companies like Ethos, Exotic, Genetics, um, who are some of these others that, like, they've won awards. These are award-winning genetics. These are people who 
they don't just put them out and show good pictures on Instagram. They've been put out and tested at places in their in commercial settings. And these are ones a lot of times that you'll see. I'm not going to get into controversial stuff, but you'll see situations of these people getting big and, and who they were not being the same. I'm not saying ethos is or isn't. I'm not saying it's not okay or isn't, but I'm just saying some of these real big guys, the genetics will be solid, but the people that you're sending the funds to aren't as good as the little guys who may not have the accolades that are doing it. They're doing it for the community, for the passion, for everything. Again, not saying ethos isn't. I'm just putting it out there. Know what you're getting, not just based on good genetics, but good companies and good people that you're backing. There's a lot of banks that you can deal with that you're helping multiple people in that space. But some of these companies, uh, seems like more and more, they they find a way to just make top tier money and then they get away from the, what we want as a community. They don't make the genetics that we want as a, you know, home grower and it becomes a commercialized corporate kind of thing. So, and I'm sure if ethos people are checking this out, they think I'm talking about them, but I'm not saying specifically, I'm just saying I've been seeing this more now in the commercial setting where I'm like, damn, they got a contract with this company and they can't do anything over here. Like why? Hmm. We don't know about that until you get into the space, you know, interesting. Yep. Uh, I've never grown them. Uh, I've only heard good things, great things, in fact. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I would totally recommend them. Um, Rolla J asks, when's the best time to take clones? When's the best time in veg to take clones? I take them about two to three weeks before I flip. So that way I give recovery time. They're, they're at its health, healthiest point. They can, I can remove a lot, let's say, or I can do some pruning without hurting the plant. And I usually do it in that same phase when I'm pruning or when I'm doing any sort of default. Because then it's like, you know, two for one situation. I used to take the top. Like I, when I top my plant, I take a fat top and that would be my clone. But I noticed those take a little longer to root. They're hardier and more vigorous and they start larger. But it takes a little longer to root. And then that topping growth versus bottom healing growth is dramatically different. It'll take me, you know, anywhere from two to four weeks to get the good canopy I want after I cut that top part versus removing some bottoms. Yeah, when I used to clone... I used to just wait until, you know, the plant grew up enough to where I'm about to do a lollipop. And when I lollipop, I'm removing some of those branches that aren't making it up to the top. I'm just using those as clones. Either that or when I'm just topping the plant, you know, top and use those. Now, there is a lot of, uh, there's some debate and they're saying that, you know, hormones are in different part of the plant. So the bottom part of the plant might root faster than the top part of the plant. And they're because they're older hormones or whatever. I mean, you read that in Jorge Cervantes' book, for example. Or maybe it was the other way around as far as the hormone distribution. But um, either way, it's going to root, you know, so you can get either way to root. What do you I think, think you were onto something there. I, I do find lower bottom uh, shoots do root faster than bigger ones. I don't know if there's anything to like the size of the stem because you're right. I find when I try to clone a top, it takes a little bit longer than if I just take in stuff from the bottom. Um, now I don't know if that has to do with hormones or what, but, uh, yeah, generally speaking, the, the, it's, it, you want to make sure that the plant is mature enough, you know, um, when, when you're starting to see options for clones, that's pretty much a good time. Um, but Rob said it, you don't want to clone and then flip, you know, I wouldn't clone or I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't clone on a Thursday flip on a Friday kind of thing. It'd be a clone on a Thursday flip on a Monday, Tuesday kind of thing, you know, and I'd, probably be taking clones out of a default kind of thing like a big heavy trim taking doing a lollipop that kind of thing yeah um i do clones i'm more of a seed and go kind of guy but that's another question um 
Hey, Rob, uh, I'm just going to keep going here. Sorry. Therapy Grow Show asks, hey, Rob, uh, any info on recommendations on a micro grow slash dispensary? Uh, running it or getting one? That's a good question. That would be the what question. would you say? Well, running one. Let's good start question, with that. Though. So let's, let's say, say running one. Um, you got to consider margins no matter how ethical you want to be. You want to be the best. You want to have all the best shit. You'd be like, man, I'd bring out the GMO and this, that, and the other. It's like, well, GMO takes 13 weeks to grow. And if there's a demand for product and you don't have a price point that's already driving people there, if there's no, no unique value add, nothing that's going to make somebody look at you versus the place down the street, then there's nothing that's going to make you shine. So you got to have a, a, some sort of unique value add and you can't be in the middle. You either got to be the top of the top or the bottom of the bottom in terms of price point and quality. Because riding that wave in the middle, you just get forgotten about. People are going to literally travel further to just get cheap flour or cheap products or they'll travel further to get better products. Because why would you do it just for like, man, prices aren't bad, smoke's not bad. You got to really hit all those areas and make sure that the bud tenders or your salespeople know their shit. Like consume all of the products and know their products and are able to help educate and, and help the consumer who comes in. Because I think a lot of people don't understand what the hell the difference is when they come in and say, I just want high THC. What's the highest THC you got? And now you need to be like, okay, well, what kind of flavors are you into? Like, ah, I'm into this, 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 this. And then you navigate that THC based on what they're into. Because a lot of times you'll go in there and just be like, uh, that's the highest one. Here you go. Boom. And it's not the best one for that person. And they'll have a bad experience and they'll never return. So there's, I can go on for days and days and days. Maybe I'll make a video about it eventually. But there's a lot, a lot of stuff, I think, especially being in a market that's saturated that you have to do to stand out from the pack. And you got to be able to take good branding and good product and meet in the middle. With yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you actually said that. And that, like, that's the difference between the Canadian and American market is the, uh, the lack of branding in the Canadian market because you, you really can't. The, you, know, there's, you have to have so many um, stop signs and so many um, um, public awarenesses, awarenesses, awarenesses on the label itself. You, know, you have to say it. It's dangerous and not keep out of kid out of the hands of children and the brand logo can only be like so big. So a lot of companies up here don't even consider branding. They just they're thinking product, 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 product. And then I'm sitting, you know, I ask myself, well, you can have the best product in the world, but if no one's using it, uh, you've got an issue, right? You, you, you need to make awareness. You need to spend time branding. You need to spend time on a marketing campaign. These are important. It is important. And, it, you know, there's, there's in the American market, I feel it's almost the opposite. You've got massive brands with, with not such great product. And we're, we're starting to see that shift where it's like the brands are starting to meet up with the people that can at least grow good, good stuff. And you're starting to see that, that, that 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 switch that change yeah 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 that's good a question big difference too man well and then you look at every state's going to be a little different and or every province even because about what you can do and what you're able to to put out there varies so you really have to look at that and navigate it based on what your restrictions are and then always push it a little bit not enough to get a fine but just a little bit because there's going to be the bigger tougher guy on the block who's pushing it 100 percent and doing illegal shit that somehow is getting away with it, just make sure you stay within those, those gray area lines because anything that's over the side there is going to hurt you. If it's too far this way, it'll hurt you. If it's too far that way, it'll hurt you. You got to be able to navigate properly and just don't get in trouble because people will shut you down and those fines are not easy to come back from, especially 
if you don't have backing from somebody else. If it's family money or personal money, that could ruin your whole everything. Nice. Yeah. I got nothing on that. Next question. Is there an optimal soil temp or water temperature? Can you use water to warm soil for colder rooms? It's a good question. Usually for a soil temp, 80, uh, 72 to 82 degrees Fahrenheit, typically what I aim for. You might hear something else from someone else, um, but that's typically what I'll aim for. And then water temperature between 70, you know, room temperature 70, 75 degrees Fahrenheit. Good question, as if maybe if you run a little bit higher, of, uh, warmer of water, what impact will that do on a colder soil? Uh, I thought that was an interesting question. I've never done that myself, but I, mean, I would just be careful because if it's too hot of water, you could be disturbing your microbes, right? Um, I'm sure this, somebody who probably done this before, maybe boiling water, put that in your soil, see what happens to that. Or some people do maybe, cold water, yeah. right? They They particularly want to. Uh, make it cold down there or the ice flushing right yeah to try to uh, stunt the plant and have it produce um, secondary metabolites so yeah try it try doing a little bit warmer for water see if that helps um, with the colder rooms as far as like if you have a colder soil but uh, do the measurements you know what i mean stick a thermometer in there or whatever and measure it out yeah just i'm immediately thinking like why um if you're not if you're not uh doing some kind of maybe stress for like a later product. Like I, I've heard of ice flushing. Um, I've heard of people trying to put colder water in for like a late, late harvest or later in uh, the flowering stage before harvest. Um, I would just be careful, man. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, especially if you're going to be in or outside of, or outside of that, that realm of acceptability. I think the 72 to 82 or even 70 to 80 is acceptable. But once you're outside of that, I'd start to be a little concerned, particularly when it's colder, that you're going to destroy a lot of those 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 microbes or really shock the root system to a point where it's not happy at all. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. That's bro science for me. I just yeah. yeah it's a be total careful. Bro so just be careful. Go lower. God. I was just gonna say you have to do like a side by side test too, because like every cultivar reacts a little differently too. You think about. If you've been feeding a certain regimen 10 years of growing and all of a sudden you bring in some new different cultivar, it's going to react differently. So it's not just like this is this. Like it's, there's no, I think, uh, rule of thumb other than not too far one way or the other way. Yeah, well, the lower temp is going to lower the temp and things are going to slow down, right? Microbes are going to slow down. So especially if you're on organics and you're running a real low temp in your medium, you could see a deficiency because your plant's just not getting it, right? The microbes aren't breaking it down as fast enough. So... Yeah, you want to, soil temp is important. Something I don't think we talk about a lot, you know? No. We should be talking about it more often. Um, well, and I think that's like, that goes into like root temperature because it could yeah. be, when I, I grew uh, hydroponic in the winter, I'd see the worst results. And people were like, no, nah, I get the best results. It's like, yeah, my back room was so cold where mm -hmm. I was growing. I had to elevate the container because the water would get so cold back there. So it was, it just depends on what your situation is. If those roots get too cold, it's going to shock them. If they get too hot, it's going to shock them. You can't stress them out too much you know there's a definite there's a real science behind it but the bro science is find the balance find the zen you know what the balance. yeah reservoirs too man i I've, I've had to tell people to get reservoirs off your basement floor because it's freezing like not freezing but it's cooling the temperature of the water so much that it's it's just it's it's a real real hazard to the plants um i wanted to get to this hey, one it's way up here uh duck lord 64 yeah 
Yeah, yeah. The what yeah. do you guys think about watering seven times? The wild, but anyways, what do you guys think about watering seven to nine times a day? I've been looking into crop steering, and I was reading um, Grow Link that increased fertigation in a medium like cocoa allows for higher nutrient uptake while avoiding overwatering. Is this true? That's a, that's a lot of times per day, but there is a science behind the uh, kind of crop steering and pushing that cultivar of being able to do multiple feedings with a lower EC potentially per day. That's what I'm trying to push at Franklin Fields. And just from what we've switched now, the plants literally are almost double the size. They're massive. Like they look like outdoor plants. If you've seen any of my live streams recently on Seal TV, some of those look like outdoor plants. They're massive. And we didn't change the veg time. We're having to cut back to two weeks veg. And how often are you watering? Right now, I think twice a day, but we're going to be switching to potentially three times. We're just dialing that in as we've switched up our system. Oh, so it's a drip irrigation, yes? Yeah, so this isn't hand. This isn't hand. Oh, so okay, okay, okay. So if you were doing it multiple times a day, you want to have auto watering. So when you have that system set up, the, the process is different, and fertigation is going to be different because you can do multiple amounts per day at smaller amounts and give it more food. It's kind of like a, a competitive eater having a bunch of salad to stretch their stomach out more so they can take in more food. It's a comparable process. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's my bro science. Of it, though. And they're also going after the, the moisture level, right? To try to get that, that perfect moisture level to where it's not too saturated and there's a lack of oxygen and the right amount of oxygen, you know, particularly when, when synthetics, um, you know, flood and drain, you know what I mean? If you had your flood and drain table come on seven to nine times a day, I mean, THC Titan actually did that uh, a year or two ago. I don't know if he's still doing that, that flood and drain system that he had set up, but he was doing it smaller containers. You know, small containers in cocoa and just, yeah, flood and drain um, throughout the day. And you can definitely kill it. Now, when if it was organics, um, I don't know if I'd do a flood and drain in organics and, and water that many times. Um, but yeah, certainly there's there's lots of variables. What medium are you using and stuff like that? 100%. And I think, you know, with using something like Rockwell um, or something like cocoa, it can absorb yep. that water more. It could have the runoff more. It's different. Uh, with soil, it'd be a little more sketchy to do that, in my opinion. So in our case right now, we've got rock wall, and it goes into a container that has cocoa at the bottom for the roots to go into. And so it's, it's enough where we can go hard, and the runoff won't really be an issue. Good. Yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, do you see another question here, boys? So, uh, tons of love. Thank you guys for all the love in the chat. We appreciate that. If you're watching this here on YouTube... Uh, uh, we we actually are answering all these questions live as they're coming in over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash from the stash. Come check it out. We, requ we record Thursdays, 1 p.m. Central, 2 Eastern, and 11 Pacific. And uh, we allow, we use the, uh, we allow, we use the chat to uh, answer questions and help influence the direction of the conversation sometimes. So please feel free to come check it out. Um, I got one right here. Chris, go ahead. Question. What time of day do you guys have the lights on in your tents? Do you have it on during the day or the night? So I'll go first. I, I run it at night. So my 12-12 flowering cycle, for example, the lights will come on at 6 p.m. Then they'll turn off at 6 a.m. And, uh, you know, I particularly do that because I live in a very hot climate. You know, summertime, for example, it's 110 degrees outside and it's difficult to get it low inside my house, right? It's, you know, usually around 80, 75, but... Uh, that's not great for the plants when you have a grow light going on a, as well at the same time. So for me, uh, for heat-related issues, for heat reasons, I should say, is why I run mine at night. What do you guys, when do you guys run it? And funny enough, when I was uh, doing the fucking most as a caregiver, I had a, uh, 
a massive electricity bill and i hit up the electric company one time and i was like what can i do man to alleviate this and they knew exactly what i was doing they were like well maybe turn your lights on i was like oh you son of a bitch like turn your lights on between seven o'clock at night and seven in the morning if you could have them go off because that's when the least amount of electricity in our area is used and the cost is lower at that time i was like seriously and i did it and i noticed not a massive difference but i noticed a difference and for me actually it worked out better because at night like it would be in most places that get cold it was even colder at night so i'm able to heat the basement space up a lot easier without having to stress about it so it was kind of a two-for-one deal where i was able to save a little bit just by changing the time and it really helped uh my room maintain that temperature that i needed so seven to seven baby for flour of course yeah i uh typically run like seven to seven um so that i can work on my plants first thing in the morning I typically have the opposite issue that Christopher has. It's a lot colder up here than it is warmer. So traditionally, because I've had such a large grow room using HPS, I would use the garden room to heat the rest of my house, really. Um, and then now the flower room is at, is 4 a.m. Uh, or sorry, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. And that's because the freaking power went out. And when the power went out, rather than messing with the lights again, I just left them. I feel that that's a lot easier than trying to get it all back and just switch. If you have a power outage and say the power outage lasts three, four, five, six, seven hours, I'd much rather just leave the timers as they are, unless you are there to immediately change them back. I just leave it. Let it just carry on 12 and 12 again. You don't have so. yours connected to an AC Infinity Controller 6.9 Pro? Because I got mine uh, through the app. Power goes out. I'm Gucci, baby. Oh, no. Yeah. They got converters, no. too. So depending on the lights, I'm pretty sure your lights would work, too. I use just dialog. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, or see, just... I, I, I don't use happens. digital controllers. Uh, digital uh, timers. That's the caveman in me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you have the 6.9 Pro. Yeah, I got know? it. I got it all to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the last digital timer I put, put through a set of drywall in my basement. Yeah, the fucking thing, the batteries do. died and yep, 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 no thanks. Can we talk about power outages? Let's do That's it. a good question. Uh, what? Power no. outages. What happens if you have a power outage? Who wants to I answer it. first? I just had one. Well, That's why I'm excited to talk about this well, one. Like, go ahead first. Yeah, yeah typically, uh, this is a good question because you, you have to scramble. Um, most of the time, you know, uh, I, I don't know the power is out during the night because I'm sleeping. So a lot of the times I find the power is out during the day. And if that's the case, I'll take all my plants out of the garden and go put them in like a living room or something where they'll like take in some sunlight and so on and so forth. Um, if that's not the case, because I'm in a tent, it is what it is, man. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to go start lighting candles in there to keep the photon or the, uh, the uh, cells active and so on and so forth. So yeah, that'd be aggressive. Just play it out. Yeah. Uh, generator is an amazing Thing to get especially country bunking boy you should have a generator by now p i'm not as country really bunking as you think I am. over here yeah on my main my main my electric spot. truck powers my home yeah <laughs> see in uh in my little spot you can get a small um generator too so just got a little small one that's a little stash one that'll just run the lights if i need in the fans um but then there's also you know uh just saying screw it <laughs> and running out you know, a lot of people have done that too. And then they'll have three, four days, depending on the storms. If you've got regular soil and you've just fed your plants and they've had time, I've seen two, three days with no electricity, the plants bouncing back. 
But if you've got something that's automated and or like prime example would be hydroponics, you got DWC and that water is not moving for days, that's going to be an issue. So it really depends on what you're running. If you can sacrifice not buying a generator, it just, I guess, depends on what you're doing. But I would recommend right away, if you don't live in the, like a big city, get a generator. And even if you do, you can get small ones that are like right outside your crib too. Just running for certain things, not your whole house. I don't have a generator. I actually, the power went out two days ago here. And uh, like P says, you're scrambling at that point. You're trying to figure out, you know, what, what do you do type thing. And uh, so I, first of all, it, the power went out right as my lights were about to come on. Okay. So basically I'm just, ex- I just extended my dark period, which is probably the best solution, right? I, I think it would be a lot worse if your lights were on for six hours, you have a power outage for an hour or two, and then your lights come back on for the remainder of the cycle. It said that plants are more likely to herm in that situation. But fortunately for me, it was right as the lights were supposed to come on. They just didn't come on. And so uh, that's okay. But one thing I noticed is that the humidity spikes, you know, and like no fans, right? So you don't have any power. No fans are going on. So you're not exchanging that air anymore. And you don't have your oscillating fan going on anymore. So once those plants are transpiring and that humidity is arising in that grow tent, well, prime, prime for uh, bud rot, powdery mildew, right? You, you're really at risk for that stuff. So what I do is I opened up my grow tent, immediately opened it up, kind of use the flap of the grow tent to fan everything out, and then um, and then just pray, <laughs> pray that uh, that they don't actually get it. it you know, expand it to my whole room. I have I'm a twelve by nine room, so um, the humidity dropped down to I believe it was about fifty percent. So I was okay at that point. But yeah, I don't have a generator. I was looking, I was researching after this. I was like, okay, I should probably get one. So uh, the power banks too, they have these huge power banks. A lot of people use them for camping and stuff. Some of me actually plug solar power, uh, solar panels into it, which is kind of cool. But uh, I was looking at power banks. They, they can be pricey. And how long do they really last? You just got to kind of do the math. Okay, for this $300 power bank, how long will that last in my grow room, you know, with the light on, you know, 400, 500 watts, whatever you have maybe it wouldn't even be worth it, you know, on those power banks. Maybe a generator would be a lot better. So um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Everything, every, a little over $1,000. Everything is susceptible to something. So yeah, your power bank is susceptible to electricity, but your generator is susceptible to a fuel supply. And I don't know about you guys in America, but in Canada, we've had fuel shortages. We've had it where there's signs on the pump that says there's no fuel here. So you are SOL. So yeah, being able to be self-sufficient, be able to react and use what, what's available around you is very important. So yeah, you know what, you, you, you could probably get off if you're not going to have power for days. You're going to have to get that plant out of the room that it's in and you're going to have to get it exposed to the sun and you're going to have to do some work, you know, and, and you're going to be thankful though that you're going to have something to, to, to kind of do. Um, it's not going to be the best result. You could try to take it outside, you know, depending, you know, I can't do that right now. It's minus 15 degrees Canadian. So that's not an option. It would be putting this massive plant in my living room and then getting it out of there at nighttime. So I could keep that 12 and 12. It's not ideal, but that's got to work with what you got. It's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Um, Another one asking about, uh, can essential oils is duck Lord six, four on Twitch here. Can essential oils blend work alone for IPM? Plans on using a mix of peppermint oil, rosemary oil, and neem oil. 
Yeah, you're using. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you're using my regimen right there. My, yeah. Same mid with me. Same thing. Yep. That's the exact same regimen I use. What's important is to alternate them. I think would be the key. There is rosemary once, once a week. Three. If you have an if you have an infestation, you got to go hard. So it's every three days, which is ridiculous. But say Monday, it's your rosemary. Three days later, it's your neem. Three days later, it's your peppermint, and you repeat until you're seeing a decline. Um, then again, for an IPM. You know, it, it, for me, it's like once a month. I'll do maybe like a. I have to admit, I get complacent. If I don't have an issue, I don't do IPM uh, uh, foliars. I don't do sprays. IPM comes in a multitude of different ways. I don't do a spray. Um, but if I was going to include it into my IPM, it'd be once a month rosemary, next month neem, so on and so forth. Yeah, I was doing them weekly. You know, once a week, I would do that same exact rotation, peppermint, then rosemary, then neem. And, uh, you know, I did it after a bad infestation. You, know, you kind of get that infestation, you tuck your tail between your legs, then you start start to be more active, proactive, you say, right? And um, now I'm at the point where, you know, I, I am kind of just going to a once a month spray or, or spraying once before flipping the flower, I'm finding. And I'm finding I'm not really using the peppermint, rosemary, neem anymore, but I'm using something that I found it to be a little bit more effective, which is the mammoth can control. Mm. Um, that's not only good as a preventative, but it also battles the pests. And then Dr. Zymes is another one that I would like, I uh, usually spray once before flipping the flower as a preventative. Uh, but that is another thing that also battles the pests. Yeah, that's exactly what I used to. I use Dr. Zymes. That's my yep. shit. It's yep. good. I had a free sample of it and used it ever since. And it's good. All natural, food grade safe, kosher. You know, it's good stuff. I like yeah. it. I like it. Didn't somebody comment the other day? Oh, I think it was today, and I think you replied, Rob. Was like, oh, just spray Raid, right? Oh my God! Who said that? Somebody said that, right? People are just trying to be funny sometimes. Maybe they're trolling. You think they it was have a troll? To be. I thought they were serious. Okay, yeah, but yeah. for the love of God, don't use Raid, please. Don't no. use Raid. No, no. Unless and, you're just and, looking and, at yourself and you don't care about your life, go for it. But uh, no, no, don't. And because that someone's gonna meme that shit and yeah, take that out of context. Shit. It was for real. So it's like yeah. so. I also want it to be very well known that I am not a believer of anything to be applied in flour. I don't care what the bottle says. I don't care what. I honestly don't care. I I I believe Look. firmly that you, unless it's water, you're not adding anything to the buds or the plants as a foliar in flour. I just I don't. I'm no. No, maybe there's things that are, I not maybe there is, there are things that are advertised that you can use. Even these pest control products, there's pest the control products that you, they advertise that can be used to control pests during flower, but yet still make your product consumable in the end. That to me is the biggest oxymoron I've ever heard. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. So the key yeah. word is consumable. Right. So we're consuming these plants, right? If you're using raid because you got a bug infestation in your kitchen, okay. But if you're in your plants that could potentially go on your bugs that have these chemicals that if you consume these chemicals, they could do damage to your internal system. Yeah, it's something to just be careful. A lot of people, you know, will go with the all natural stuff and the essential oils. So going back to the question, peppermints, you know, is an organic, all natural, uh, rosemary, neem. All those things are said to be safe. So, yeah. yeah. Or veg. I like to find people over at uh, Hawthorne and 
you know, deal with poison chemicals. And well, well there's there's an oxy or not. I already said that. There, there's this misconception. There's a misconception out there. You guys have heard of, and I'll just go out on the record and say you guys have heard of hyperemesis or uh, CHS. Yep. Yeah, yep. 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 Can't say the C part. And I can't. I can't say it. So you'd have to. It's hyperemesis syndrome, and insert the C word there. But it's uh, if I is it syndrome. Uh, anyways, we're, I, I digress. Yep. Um. There. There's. Uh, there's this. There's. There's this portion of the population that likes to yell that our product is harmful to people because of this syndrome. And in my opinion, the reality is is that this syndrome is actually related to uh, people who are uh, not growing product properly. They're adding neem oil in particular uh, to their products and it's not getting uh, taken off and it's still people are still being exposed to it when they're inhaling this product later which then gives critics this chs um which is which is is just a joke it's a joke but the reality is, 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 is you can't use even organic products in flour later on so unless you guys want to touch on that i kind of want to weave that into someone asks about what about spider mites in flour so okay shoot I, I I've got them. I've got I, I, I get mites and flour. I've been there. I, I, am I are you completely screwed? Do you just give up? Do you burn them? Ninety uh, percent of the times, yes. But I do think it can be saved if this was a problem that that just happened going into flour. You might actually be able to you know remove the damaged areas. You might be able to keep up with it. You know, is it, you can go as far as vacuuming. The plants um i've done that to try to remove the bugs remove large um uh, leaves to try to take a lot of the concentration of them away but most of the time i hate to be the bearer of bad news but it happens oh so often it's it's not okay. looking good it's not looking good man i've Sorry, I talked a lot i've gotten paid to to go into a garden and help somebody out i've probably talked about this story before i'll never forget it this woman took over her ex's garden kicked them out took over the whole thing she had spider mites that literally the flowers, each and oh, I guess heebie-jeebies. Each every one of them was so webbed out. You can see clusters of mites from like around the block, bro. It was so bad. And she wanted to salvage these plants. Like it was literally shy of shiny. The plant was all shiny. Cause I'm like, what is this? Oh my god, those are webs. Okay, and went in there and literally <laughs> took a, a shop vac and sucked all the webs off of there took a high pH water that was really cold with ice cubes in the, the sprayer and sprayed the plants down and then let them go for another like two weeks, checked them out and didn't see anything growing back. There were still signs on leaves of, of severe damage. So you couldn't tell if it was getting worse or better, but we didn't see them growing any more webs. Now, did I smoke that shit? Absolutely not. It couldn't have paid me to, but <laughs> she was happy and salvaged it for herself. So there's there's some things to do it that you can you can keep them at bay, but you're not necessarily going to be able to eradicate them that far in. They'll they won't destroy your plant, but it's definitely going to hinder your yield overall, and it's going to make just more stress. And it will potentially be in there forever if you keep a perpetual garden. If you keep it going, you might need to restart. That's why people will say nuke it. Normally, you want to kick them in the face when they say it, but sometimes you need to just nuke it and start over. Chris, did you want to add? Duke, nuke them. No, but, I mean, I haven't come across spider mites myself. My friends have. And, um, you know, a couple of things that I remember from them battling it was one of the things you do is make it chilly. 
you know, make it cold. Um, you know, they like the warm temperatures, so help slow them down. Spraying the plant, spraying it with water is what I mean by that. Cut down some of the leaves um, that maybe are badly infested uh, and using predators. You know, a lot of people uh, will add in predator mites to help that. For example, lace wings, big eyed bugs. Uh, ladybugs are well known for it, but there's a lot of uh, conflicting information about ladybugs and how effective they actually are and stuff like that. But yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. You can lower your temperature in the garden. That's another one. They don't like the colder spots. Uh, yeah. It, 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 the rule of thumb for me, once you start seeing webbing, you, you're kind of done. Yeah, and it's such, an, it's such an early, like, once you have the eggs, once you have mites, they almost web immediately, you know? So, ooh, yeah. Once you have webs, it's, un, it's frustrating. So it's just, the sooner you just get rid of it, start over, it, it, the better. And I know that's what nobody wants to hear. So I, I hate that. I hate that, unfortunately. Um, do you get, I just saw someone, sorry, uh, mention spider mites. Oh, I was going to say, our friend Rebel Dills over here asking about the best starter budget tent. Miss Lucifer, what up? Um, oh. Ways to start growing on a budget. Zero cap, beyond the fact they're a sponsor. I did a video on this on Rob Blogs. Um, essentially, the the setup that you can get from AC Infinity for the whole kit is one of the best things you can do, in my opinion, in terms of getting started, because it's got almost everything you need besides your nutrients, your media, and your genetics. genetics. Otherwise, yeah. it's got everything, even your pots. Like, it's everything you need. It's crazy. I mean, there's a couple little things, depending how you're growing. You may need a pH meter or an EC meter if you want to really dial it in, but a lot of people will use the pool strips, little pool testing pH kits, and that'll just work to get you through. But you can do that all for under a thousand dollars and get your whole, whole thing going. Yeah, I've always said a thousand bucks. If someone wants to get growing, they've never grown before, and they want to just start off on the right foot, a thousand bucks will get you to where you need to go to get started. And yeah, AC Infinity's got a great little setup there, man. They got the best, some of the best products in the game. I've said it a hundred times, and I mean it. So yeah, I would say them. Yeah, gorilla gorilla tents. If you're just looking for a tent, um, gorilla tents were the name of the game for the longest time. Expensive, um, but you're paying for it. Yeah, but you're paying for it. I'm looking yeah. at AC Infinity's website right now. I know you said a thousand bucks. That yeah, they have a kit for nine hundred for their four by four, but you can get like a two by two for four hundred. So you can even start off any cheaper just for a small little no, small just the tent. Thing. Oh. Okay, I was like, damn. What's that? I, I thought you said the four by or the two by four kit was two hundred bucks. Like the two by kit? four kit here is six hundred. There's a two by two kit which is four hundred. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. These so, kits yeah. are four are on. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know there was even lower than four by four. Yeah, oh, yeah. you can use our discount code at checkout and save some pesos as what well. What is it? Uh, the stash fifteen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Fifteen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I'm seeing it right here. To do throw... stuff too cheaper if you wanted to, but cheaper is not always better. Yeah, you can totally throw that on the screen real quick because that's, that's the that's whole setup between there. Affordable and cheap, though. Like, you know, people are like, what's the cheapest setup I can get? It's like, wow, we'll find you something on Alibaba, baby. We get this going. <laughs> or, or in Wish, even. Or you can get something that's affordable, which is good quality. And there's a big difference between cheap and affordable. Yeah, and you honestly, you. You don't want it to be a one grow setup. Like you should be like if you're going to spend that kind of money, and I can, I, I'll guarantee it for you that like that that you're going to get a few years out of that setup. So that's that's what you want, and you'll get your money's worth. 
you could try um, to go cheaper with a custom two by two other than AC Infinity, but man, you're 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 sacrificing some things, right? You do like for example, if you get a cheaper fan, well, you're not gonna have the controller. And you're not gonna be able to you know what I mean, instead of having the variable speed controller, remember those inline fans? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, feels yeah. like it's been a while since I used one of those, but uh but those were a pain to really dial in. And uh yeah, you just get the automation. I, I would pay the extra hundred, two hundred dollars and um just get an auto one but one of them by ac infinity yeah legit and this not even has anything to do with them sponsoring us the only other kits that i've seen there's components that come in those kits that are dirt ass cheap price point and quality wise other things like their tent are solid but then you look at the inline fans or you look at the clip fans and they're just booty everyone's starting ac infinity has been doing it first you know what i mean in terms of tying everything together you know other companies are starting to do it they're starting to figure it out and they're starting to come up with comparable systems but yeah if you get one that's been figured out uh and tested tried uh, tried and true you know yeah um what an episode man uh, that was a banger man that was there was i I, i'm looking through it we got through quite a few questions guys if there's anything else or any other questions that are stirring up in the pot and you just think we missed them you can throw them in the comment section below i can assure you that all three of us look at the comment sections and we answer questions so if you have one that's just sitting and just stirring that that you wanted that was specific to either one of us you can just ask it below we will get to it and we'll answer it and what do you guys think do you think we should be doing these episodes just a little more often i personally think we should because we haven't even been doing them once a month so i think we should do it at least once a month kind of get through these questions because man there's so many more i'm seeing now that we didn't get to so let us know in the comments below yeah, it's hard to keep up with YouTube comments, especially when the questions flood in. So I think coming here to Twitch is kind of the way to go. It's just like, okay, meet us here on Twitch. We're here every Thursday, right? Every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And um, yeah, swing through yeah. and hang out more often. We're here every week. And we do tokes after the show. So uh, you can come enjoy some uh, some some laughter after the show because once you're not here on YouTube, uh, it's a lot easier to get away with a lot more stuff. So come join us, twitch.tv slash from the stash. On behalf of myself, Wink, the man, Rob, and uh, Mr. Grow Up, we appreciate you guys for being here. If you're on Twitch, stick around. We're going to talk about it. But if you're on YouTube, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.